their attempts to delegitimize BDS, it's become more legitimate. Um, yes. For those New Zealanders, as a political yes. strategy to end, um, you know, like a, Israel's um, apartheid and occupation. And I think we're reaching, you know, more of a consensus in this country about boycotts being a reasonable action to take in a context of Israeli impunity. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Sharif Sakud, and you're listening to the Electronic Intifada podcast. On January 31st in Oakland, about 100 Bay Area activists and organizers gathered at the Oakland Federal Building to demonstrate in solidarity with Palestinian teenager Ahed Tamimi, who turned 17 in Israeli military detention the same day. Tamimi was detained in a night raid in the occupied West Bank village of Nabi Saleh two months ago, after videos circulated showing her and a cousin slapping and shoving two heavily armed Israeli soldiers following an incident in which a soldier had shot in the head and seriously injured their 15-year-old cousin, Mohammed Tamimi. Outraged by a perceived insult to their occupation forces, Israeli leaders have vowed revenge against the Tamimi family and are subjecting Ahed, her mother Nariman, and cousin Noor to military trials in kangaroo courts with a near 100% conviction rate. Ahed Tamimi is one of some 300 Palestinian children currently in Israeli military detention. The demonstration was put together by the Palestine Action Network, and the following audio was recorded and compiled for the Electronic Intifada by Seja Shawashe of Arab Youth Organizing. Viva, viva Palestina! Viva, viva Palestina! Viva, viva Palestina! Viva, viva Palestina! is 17 years old today, and her whole entire life, she has only known life under occupation. She has only known what it's like to be brutalized by soldiers. on my birthday and I can tell you that nobody should ever be in jail on their birthday and we remember that not only Ahed and the other more than 300 children that are imprisoned by Israel but thousands or probably tens of thousands of kids are imprisoned right here and that is not okay none of them should be in prison we say no more cages and we say free all political prisoners. The U.S. has the longest held political prisoners in the world, and it is our duty to get them out. So free Ahed and all political prisoners. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! For 17 years, you are continuing to resist, to live, to thrive, even when they try to imprison you. May we all learn that even when the walls are physically around us, let us never let them trap our minds or our spirit. Thank you, Ahed. And we will stand here. And let us not also forget how many folks are incarcerated in the county of Alameda. How many folks are incarcerated right here in Northern California and all of this state. Let us fight against incarceration from Pelican Bay to For the Electronic Intifada podcast, I'm Sharif Zakut.
I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman, and you're listening to the Electronic Intifada podcast. An Israeli lawfare group tied to the Mossad, Israel's deadly spy agency, said last month that it has filed a lawsuit against two New Zealand activists for, quote, influencing pop singer Lord to cancel her Tel Aviv gig in late December. Lord, who is also from New Zealand, had called her cancellation, quote, the right decision. Sharat Hadin, the group behind the lawsuit, is nominally suing on behalf of three Israeli teenagers who claim they are suffering, quote, emotional injury after learning that Lord had canceled her concert. They are seeking thousands of dollars in damages against the activists. The lawsuit is being filed in Israel under a 2011 law that allows people to sue those who call for a boycott of Israel or its illegal settlements on occupied Palestinian land. The law is part of Israel's effort to stifle speech and activism in support of Palestinian rights. In December, activists Justine Sachs and Nadia Abu Shanab wrote an open letter to Lord, urging the singer to reconsider her planned performance in Tel Aviv. Since the targeted activists are in New Zealand and were exercising their free speech rights there, it is difficult to see how any Israeli judgment could be enforced. Meanwhile, a Florida lawmaker is attempting to have Lord's upcoming concerts in that state canceled as punishment for her cancellation of the Tel Aviv show. In his demands, Republican State Representative Randy Fine is citing a Florida law that says no state or local government can conduct business exceeding $1 million with any organization engaged in a boycott of Israel. Florida is one of more than 20 states around the U.S. that has passed an anti-BDS measure, two of which are currently being challenged in courts in Kansas and Arizona due to their unconstitutionality. Joining us to talk about their activism and how they're analyzing the various acts of political theater around Lord's cancellation uh, of her Tel Aviv show are Justine Sachs and Nadia Abushanab. They join us from New Zealand. Welcome to the Electronic Intifada podcast, Nadia and Justine. Hi, thanks for having us. Hi. So first off, uh, have either of you received any summons or any formal legal notice that this alleged lawsuit against you is moving forward? No, not as of yet and um, unlikely to. We haven't heard anything, so we just sort of got caught up in the in the news cycle about them. I think it's now just kind of blown over. So then let's break down what the motivations are. What's behind this Israeli lawfare group attacks against you? Uh, they know they can't actually enforce their agenda of censorship and, and legal repression. Uh, because you're in a different country and you're protected by New Zealand's free speech laws, um, why would they even bother? What What do you think is at the core of this kind of legal harassment? So I've been thinking about this a little bit. I'm working on a, a piece that I'm writing at the moment, but I was thinking about kind of the mindset of Shalat Hadeen and 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 also the, the trend that they represent, the idea of... Um, Obviously, they want a world. I think they genuinely want a world where criticism of Israel is criminalized. And in some cases, they're being successful with that. I think in cases where they're not being successful with that or in spaces where they can't be, I mean, the U.S. context is quite different from um, Aotearoa, New Zealand, is that they'll settle for the headline, you know, that idea that might plant a seed in someone's head that if you're going to do this stuff, it may come at a cost. Uh, I think that's probably where I'd put it at the moment, but there's probably a lot. You probably write a PhD (laughs) on uh, on what they're up to (laughs) in these kind of attempts, but I'd be interested in hearing what Justine thinks as well. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, no, no. Um, I, th- I think I've been really thinking alongside um, the same things as Nadia. I've been, um, you know, I'm obviously not scared for myself because I do feel kind of um, well protected here in New Zealand. And I, as Nadia said, I don't think it's the same climate um, as the United States. But watching what's been going on in the in the in the states in Florida mm-hmm. and these moves to kind of like legally consolidate these kind of repressive laws, um, you know, it's quite terrifying, really. And I. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I think I do think it represents a real uh, threat to freedom of speech and to activists um, who are seeing like a kind of ramped up level of state violence and repression, um, mm. you know, um, to like clamp down on our activities um, and, you know, our ability to do kind of humanitarian social justice work. And an escalation of tactics as well from like yeah, soft, for sure. soft Zionist kind of tactics, which I actually think, you know, is has backfired for them in this context but um yeah so. it's, it's a diff- um well i think that's a real you know me, me and justine can probably talk a little bit about this but you know you had to be in new zealand the day that this news dropped to understand the way that new zealanders just responded to this with absolute disbelief i think a lot of people um i mean it was on major news and a huge tv show over here called the project just did a piece that was like, this is ridiculous, you know, and completely supportive of ours. They brought on a lawyer who seemed to be a sort of so, uh, like a liberal Zionist. And he just said, this is absolutely what, what this court case is attempting to do is absolutely outrageous. Um, and regardless of whether we support boycotts or not, New Zealand and the New Zealand government need to absolutely throw their weight um, behind these two women, being me and myself and Justine. Um, and so actually, and, and, and you know, even the interviews of um, Shalat Hadeen that happened in New Zealand media, you could just hear even the journalists interviewing them were just thinking, what on earth? You know, this is such a contradiction to be talking about Israel as this democracy mm. and then to be attempting this. And I think it really, for a lot of New Zealanders, drew attention to the huge contradictions at the heart of kind of Zionist uh, thinking. Yeah, I think it really backfired spectacularly in New Zealand in particular. I think I think the United States, um, you know, does seem to have a, way, a far more pro-Israel, like Zionist, like um, you know, like hardline Zionist stance. But even in Israel, even in, in New Zealand, among Israel's supporters, it was like just embarrassment almost. Uh, we're speaking with Justine Sachs and Nadia Abushanab. They are two New Zealand activists um, who successfully uh, encouraged pop singer Lord to cancel her Tel Aviv show at the very end of last year. Nadia and Justine, um, let's talk a little bit about um, activism in New Zealand and and some of the reactions that you've gotten just from regular folks uh, who who might have just been learning about this issue through this news story that came across, you know, uh, local media and state media. Um, you know, Lord is just one of many artists and performers who have either canceled their gigs in Israel or have just uh, chosen just to skip it altogether. Something that that's that's being called the silent boycott and is sending mm. Israel's propagandists into a panic, uh, even by their own concessions in documents that the Electronic Intifada uncovered last year. The BDS movement, uh, you know, is visibly growing and becoming more popular despite the well-financed efforts by Israel and the Israel lobby around the world to curb Palestine rights activism. 
What can you say about the boycott movement in New Zealand? And how active are people on the issue of Palestinian rights? Uh, what have you been hearing since, you know, since, since this happened last, uh, in, in December? So um, I think there's been a groundswell of um, support for um, Palestinian human rights campaigns and also the BDS movement in New Zealand. I think it's becoming um, more and more popular you know, as the days go by, and especially... Um, I mean, I talked to Debbie Abbas, and she is one of the, like, an activist within the Palestinian Solidarity Network, and she's never seen so many young people. She's never seen so many people, period, um, involved, interested, coming to rallies, um, you know, getting in contact with them. And then, um, and, like, within the Jewish community especially as well, um, we found, I mean, I'm, I'm, so I'm a Jewish, I'm a Jewish New Zealander. I went to the Jewish, local Jewish school, um, brought up within the community, our, the sort of younger generations of Jewish people post uh, Operation Protective Edge in 2014 have become incredibly politicized um, against, you know, Zionism. And there's this kind of like rejection, um, growing rejection of Zionism among, among us that's really like heartening to see. Um, I mean, for me, I, I haven't, <laughs> it's been a long time, but, you know, I'm, I'm sort of working within the community, um, with, with, with young Jews to kind of like, educate them and yeah so that's what um dianu is like a solidarity project essentially it's just young it's new zealand jews against the occupation and so we work with the palestinian solidarity uh network and it's been i don't know it's just it has been like really heartening to see people um kind of like break ranks with the established community who won't hear any criticism who won't have won't even have any kind of dialogue um, about Israel's like um, apartheid regime and the occupation, and to see these young Jews say, you know what, no, um, I don't know who, the, who who they're supposed to represent, but that's not me, um, and I want a space to at least talk about this. Um, so yeah, so so things look good from where, well, no, um, things are looking brighter from where I'm standing in Auckland, um, but yeah, obviously I can't speak for the rest of the country or the world. <laughs> and Nadia. Um... <laughs> Uh, you know what? What's your response, and and how do you see the boycott movement expanding in New Zealand? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the Lord thing is a huge deal. She is, she's a massive person in in New Zealand, and 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 not just as an artist, but I think a bit of a cultural ambassador for where we're at. So, you know, upon kind of hearing that she was performing. And writing our letter, and and you know, we joined a lot of other people. A lot of a, a lot of mm-hmm. really great stuff came out of New Zealand, and that's mm-hmm. one thing that I I heard through the grapevine that apparently Lord Ella had said to some friends that what really surprised her was the level of reaction from people in New Zealand. So there was some great stuff written off the bat. Like I woke up in the morning and I'd heard the news. And there was already some amazing tweets and a couple of blog posts that had gone up pretty much immediately from people in New Zealand that I didn't actually know, you know, because you sort of, um, you know, the, the solidarity community, it's, it's quite large. It's a small, it's a small country. There's some people in it. But, you know, New Zealand is a small country. You generally know people who are um, supportive of BDS. So I think what was really interesting is that, that for a few people who were fans of law, who had who didn't actually know much about BDS, who had not been active in BDS activism in the past, when they heard about the fact that people were asking her to respect the boycott call and did some reading on it, they immediately understood 
what that meant and they immediately thought it was the right thing to do. And I think we've been having a national conversation. So there were some some of the major newspapers ran, I think, a poll saying, did Lord make the right decision? And I think it was maybe, you know, 60% yes, 40% no. But that's huge. I don't think that would have been the same, you know, even four or five years ago. I think Israel's situation has really, really taken what we would call a hiding, which is like a a beating. (laughs) Um, in New Zealand and I think a lot of New Zealanders are now of the attitude that you know because we have that collective memory we have that historical memory of um, the Springbok tour and had that debate as a nation is is it okay you know is it okay to support things complicitly um, as was done with South African apartheid and and the mobilization against apartheid, apartheid and the boycott movement you know, when it first started was not a popular thing, but then it came to a point where it made sense. And I think we're reaching, you know, more of a consensus in this country about boycotts being a reasonable action to take in a context of Israeli impunity. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think it was, I, I think like there's been a successive, um, a successive moments of politicisation for New Zealand, for New Zealanders, which have kind of solidified um, their this like negative, this very justified negative view um, of <laughs> the Israeli regime. Um, yeah. And I think Lord was just sort of like um, you know the most recent and possibly the most influential one. But I've certainly watched among people who I think were undecided or perhaps thought it was a too co- was too complicated or they saw BDS as like extremely radical and like maybe like um, you know you know like there was a middle ground between between yeah. BDS and um, and like Zionism um, kind of realized that BDS is a legitimate nonviolent strategy and so. I, in their attempts to delegitimize BDS, it's become more legitimate um, yes. for a lot of New Zealanders as a political yeah. strategy to end, um, you know, like a, Israel's um, apartheid and occupation. So I think, and I think that's that's wonderful. And just one quick thing. I mean, I know we've we've said a little bit on this, but I think it was really interesting. So after we wrote our letter, um, someone from the Jewish community. I didn't know who he was. He's a writer on a comedy show here. Uh, Dan Guriad, he's yeah, a writer he on. Oh, it's a terrible show. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> um, he, yeah. he, um, actually, his response letter was really interesting because I think, I mean, it was really weak, you know. And that's from an objective yeah. perspective. I don't think there were many points made there. It seemed that New Zealand Zionists were really grasping at straws as to what they could actually say that there didn't seem to be anyone saying that Israel actually wasn't doing horrible things. It just seemed to be more of a deflection kind of strategy of, well, what about these other countries? Or, you know, we can't seriously end the occupation. It's there for security reasons and, and that kind of stuff. And I think... <laughs> Which yeah, isn't compelling to people. Yeah, yeah. It's just not compelling. It's not, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't reach out to people. It doesn't convince them quite rightly. Yeah, I thought also what was really interesting was the kind of very effortless and unapologetic way that Lord canceled 
her show and made yeah. that decision for for years you know people in the in the bds movement have been you know going back and forth and trying to get their managers and tour managers to to understand the severity of of what it means to break an international picket line uh there's been you know lots of debates between the artists and activists and they go back and forth and and it it felt like this was just such an an easy decision that lord made that it took the Zionists and, and Israel supporters um, by surprise. And and what's also significant about that, and I know, Justine, you, you alluded to this, is that, you know, Lord represents this younger generation of, of people all over the world mm-hmm. who are looking at Israel's policies and deciding for themselves that that's not something that they particularly want to align with. Um, do you see this as kind of a turning point for the BDS movement, especially the, the cultural boycott component of BDS? Uh, no, I absolutely, I absolutely do. I see it because I think, I think that what you're seeing is a generational divide, and I think that's why um, the Zionist, Zionist establishments are particularly worried because y- younger people, um, you know, live in a p- politicized time, and they have a growing conscience, I think, about um, injustice locally and internationally that was maybe kind of lacking, and that that terrifies them because. This idea that all struggles are linked. I mean, they and there's been articles about this, just like um, like uh, the American Zionists freaking out. The Jerusalem about post um, yeah, you say that about intersectionality. Yeah, yes. they freak out about yeah, intersectionality um, <laughs> because they're yeah. like, oh God, if they realize all these struggles are linked, then they're going to be anti-Zionists. And it's like this is exactly what we're seeing because young people have this really this burgeoning like conscience um about this about these issues and i i think it's like i think it's inspiring um and i'm just you know it, it just fills you with that small sliver of hope that you kind of just have to hold on to in quite dark times um and i think you know and i think that yeah their hysterical response and it was hysterical it was scrambling yeah. it, it was mostly motivated because it was like this huge generation shift and i saw these like young lord fans suddenly like, I mean, and this speaks to why it's important to reach out to, you know, like um, pop stars and celebrities sometimes because they do hold a position of influence. Suddenly they were interested and they wanted to, they were, wanted to learn and they, and they supported us. They supported our cause once they realized what it was about. And I thought, yeah, no, I was, I was super encouraged by that. And Nadia, do you want to, do you want to chime in as yeah, well? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, totally. We, we are. And I think it's undeniable. And I think that's part of why... Yeah. You know, when we talk about what Shirat Hadin have done, it's actually reflective of that because I think for for people in in Israel who are wondering how to combat BDS, they're very concerned right now. And that's why we're seeing an escalation of tactics. And we've been seeing this for years. I mean, this isn't new because I've been involved with the movement now for for about a decade. Um, so we know it's been something that's been going on the whole time. But I think, you know, it was like you said, Nora, there was there was a sim- almost like a simplicity to this, almost like things had reached a particular moment. And I think the context of Trump and the U.S. and the Jerusalem decision were actually, you know, they were the backdrop to this. And increasingly, you know, people like Lord had talked about you know, because she's sort of part of, I guess, a, you know, she would probably describe herself as an intersectional feminist type person who's concerned about what's going on in the world. And she had said, you know, that we've got to stay 
informed and outraged about what's happening in the US and what's happening with Trump. And so, of course, the politics, like when you see Trump and Israel essentially against the world and that, you know, this is something my dad's been talking to me a little bit about. He keeps saying, you know, Mm. you see that alignment so clearly. I think for a lot of people who are, you know, concerned about justice, concerned about questions of equality, it becomes a no-brainer to support the BDS movement, even in a context that is so hostile and where there has been such a smear campaign run against our movement where individuals have had, you know, and an experienced character assassinations whenever they, they speak out on this stuff. And that's not new. I mean, my dad was having his character assassinated when he was doing student activism in the UK in the 80s. <laughs> so it's not a new tactic, but it's certainly mm-hmm. um, one that they're extending. And I think that we just need to use this moment actually more than anything to uh keep keep going and keep doing stuff and that's where we're at Mm. right now yeah I mean we talked about it before we wrote the letter we were like this is a moment that we you know we have to take advantage of to to sort of um raise awareness um and to educate people and like to not to not like speak out at this juncture would be such a missed opportunity and I think we were were quite right about that yeah well we uh, look forward to seeing what else um, activists in New Zealand uh, have up their sleeve in terms of engaging with and supporting the BDS movement Justine Sachs and Nadia Abushanab thank you so much for all of your work and for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast thank you so much for having us thanks for having us That's it for the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thanks to Sharif Zakut, our music maker and production assistant. For news, information, cultural features and reviews and pointed opinion and analysis, visit us online at electronicintifada.net, where you can also post comments and sign up for our daily email digest. Follow us on Twitter at Intifada. Radio stations are free to use this podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, support the Electronic Intifada by rating it and leaving a review. On behalf of all of us at the Electronic Intifada, thank you for listening.